lovers. To miss out on, to ignore, to misunderstand. What Jesus did on the cross on Holy Friday was the single most powerful cosmic event in God's universe. And I think on Friday the Lord gave us a glimpse of His glory and how important it is that day. I think it's more important than Christmas. I think it's more important than the Reformation. I think it's more important than all the great events in the world. It's more important than the ending of World War II. It's more important than the discovery of penicillin or the computers, man landing on the moon. This one event of the Son of God paying a price on the cross of Calvary, dislodging the powers of hell, taking out the curse of sin and death, paid a price. And mankind would ask, why? Why do I need the cross? Why do I need Jesus? It's not my problem. And you'll find many of your friends would say that in their sufficiency of life, they would say, I don't need the cross. I don't need Jesus. But unless you understand this, Without the cross, without Jesus, your needs will not be met. And the greatest need that we have and that mankind has is the need of feeling that we belong to an almighty God and his family. And in that we worship him, we commune with him, we walk with him. In His presence, we live in Him. But man would say, I am sufficient to live outside His presence. I am sufficient to live by other means of provision. I have a job, I have a career, I have money, I have fame, I have a sport, I have a talent, I have a gift. I have music, I have a hobby, I have a great marriage, I have a great friend. But always mankind asks the question, I feel a void, I feel a deep, a deep void. I have a hole. I have something that is not right. So Father, we stand in your presence right now and we pray. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
to the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as you servants for the sake of Christ. For God who said, let light shine. I wonder if you can pray that with me right now. Let light shine. made his light shine in the hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ but we have this treasure in jars of clay that's you you're a jar of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us we are hard-pressed in on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life, the resurrection life may be revealed in our bodies and in our church. For we are alive, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Forgive us for our sins. We repent, Lord, for we are given over to the death of Jesus who died for our sins so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life, resurrection life, is at work in you and me right now, I'm praying. For resurrection life, Lord, to enter our bodies. Resurrection life, Lord, to enter this church. I wonder if you can make a noise right now. We celebrate, Lord, this resurrection life. Life! say amen god bless you i wonder if you can give the lord a hand right there come on give him a hand yeah fantastic 
Fantastic, wonderful. I love that choir. Don't you love the choir? I love the choir, I love the drums, and that was a brilliant start. I love that start, didn't you? I loved it. There was energy and there was life, and uh, one day we will be there with a finished building. Air conditioning. Even now we need air conditioning, don't we? Even now. And um, but, but we've got to wait our turn. We've got to wait our turn, and we want sound, we want lights, and next year, next, next Holy Friday, Good Friday, we're going to put on an event for the whole community, and this place is going to be jam-packed. We might have to do a couple of them, in fact, because the people won't get in. People won't get in. It will, I mean, it will just be, we're nearly busting at the seams on Friday night. And I don't know where all those people come from, because when I came out, there was about 50, 60 people, and then just literally... Wow, the cosmic significance of Jesus dying on the cross some 2,000 years ago is still shaking the planet now, still shaking mindsets, still shaking people. And so I just want to touch on the cross and why we need it and why we need to help people see why they need it because I still believe that there's people that still are unable to tell their friends why they need salvation. Why do I need it? Why do I need to join a church, they would say. I've got plenty of things to do. Why do I need Jesus? Uh, why? Why, why? Um, why do I need this, this philosophy, this, this, uh, this religion? Why do I need it? I've seen what it's done over the years. I've studied a bit of history, wars and and uh, contentioned, and, uh, but who knows, we're fighting a battle against hell itself, the hordes of hell and demons and principalities and powers, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. It, it is against these things that still affect the planet right now. So good to see so many people here. Put up your hand if this is your first time here. If this is your first time in our church, this is great, it's okay. I just want to see your hand, and there's, there's people back there. Just put up your hand, just quickly. I just need to see it. Yeah, yeah. First time here in this church. That's fantastic. Whoa. Awesome. And why is this event so powerful? And why is it so remembered? And, uh, and you look around and a lot of the people are just enjoying. I was down at Tuwim Bay on Friday and in the park. They're just having a great time. And we had a nice time beside the waters. Uh, and uh, the sun was out, and the beach was great. Who loves Australia and its beaches? And, uh, yeah, and I'm just looking out. I'm, uh, every time I go to Tuwim Bay, it's almost like it's different every time. It's just like there's the glory in another dimension. And it's like what the Bible says in Revelations, the angels surrounding the throne of God, holy, holy. And apparently they say that because they see another glimpse of the glory of God. Amen, another glimpse. So... Uh, it's, it's like that. You gotta, you gotta, you can get dull in the spirit. Who knows that? You can get dull in your mind to even understand what the most powerful, significant event in the life of Christianity, in the life of the world is about. And that's about the cross. I mean, this, I'm really sensing because I really feel God in this weekend. I really feel God is in this weekend. I really feel this, that, that Australia is going to understand more and more what this weekend's going to be about. Who's with me on that? I, I believe that it's... And, and who were all those people Friday night? Just visitors and people that hardly even go to church. 
And they come out because they value this, this powerful event called Easter. They just don't know what it is, but it's the time that they go to church and come and be blessed or, or bless God and, and show respect unto God. Why Jesus? Why? Why did you have to go to the cross? Why did you do that? And the Bible says in Philippians, it says this, that, and I think if we read this with this understanding that each and every one of us do have needs, needs that can only be fulfilled in God. And some of us get by in life, we've got healthy bodies, we've got some cash, got a job, got a wife, husband, Thank you, Gail. And, uh, and, uh, she, she's prompting me to say husband too. And, um, and so we got a car. We got a roof over our head and got a nice family, picket fence. And we, we would say, we could say in that, why do I need to recognize this event called Easter? Why do I need to recognize this price paid by this man called Jesus? Jesus the Christ. Why should I recognize that? It's not my problem. Have you heard that said? It's not my problem. And it's literally the world could say, it's not my problem. This cosmic battle between good and evil, this dilemma that I am in, apparently I'm in sin, just being born in the planet. How unfair is that? I haven't even got out of the, out of the crib yet and I'm, I'm apparently a sinner. That's, that doesn't make sense to these people that value justice. And sin is anything that bypasses the cross, that bypasses our needs being met by the cross. Sin is finding our sufficiency in our world, in our life, outside the cross. God, you say you can give me health? No, I'm going to train this body unto health. I'm going to eat good. I'm going to train. I don't need the whip marks on your back. By your stripes, we are healed. I don't need that. Sorry, I appreciate what you've done, but I don't need that. I will train and I will become superhuman. Almost like a demigod. Jesus, uh, you said you paid a price for my sin, this condition that I have by just being born. By your blood shed on the cross that paid for my sin, you say that that can uh, forgive me, pay a price, the remission of sin. And instantly... By acknowledging that, like these people did on Friday night, I can be washed, cleansed, and stand before your presence and live forevermore in you. Wow. In fact, I can pray now. You can commune with me. I can commune with you. What a great thing, even for kids, to be able to, and I used to do it all the time, walking to school, just commune with God. That's why get those things out of your ears sometimes because God's wanting to speak. Now we're seeing grown-ups with the things in their ears. Now everyone's got just blocked out from God and God's trying to speak so, so wonderfully, beautifully to people. The Bible says, 
Oh, the cosmic significance of Jesus dying on a cross from 2,000 years ago is still shaking the world and its people. Fantastic. The scripture I need is in Philippians, and it would say, 419, isn't it? Uh, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And this is where I, this is the, this is all I want to say this morning. I want to try and make a point. I want to give clarity to why we need this cross rather than religion or just a simple belief in God. Why each and every one of us must come to this cross and lay down our life lay down every burden, every vain imagination, lay down all our pride, our attitude, our sin. We must come to this cross to properly appropriate life as an overcomer. Because if we circumnavigate this cross, if we only come, look, I'll have an assurance for eternity, but look, everything else, I will go around the cross that will leave you depleted in life to live an extraordinary life. Do you know what I mean? So it's the whole shebang at the cross. It's, in fact, just like Jesus did, completely as a living sacrifice in his totality of life, expired his last breath and said, it is finished. Everything was done, dusted. That contract was sealed in eternity. And everything was accomplished 2,000 years ago through the cross. And we must understand that and help the world understand why they need the cross. Who's with me on that? Who would like to understand? Who would like to help people understand why they need Jesus? You know, you've got to come to church. No, 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 no. You've you, you got to buy a Bible. No, no, no. You, you, you gotta, you gotta pray, you gotta worship, you gotta give, you, no, you gotta come to the cross. That's where your needs are met. Amen? Give the Lord a hand right there. Praise God. And so I just want to quickly go through a couple of things. All your needs cover every, every, every area of your life, your body, your soul, your mind, your emotions, as well as your material and your financial needs is all met at the cross. Who can say amen to that? By the single one act of the cross, all the needs of suffering, of humanity, is met. All the needs and all the suffering, I say it again, all the needs and all the suffering of humanity is met at the cross. How many people do you know that are just maybe older, but even younger, that are just all banged up in life? They're just... And it's terrible when you see people who have never come to the cross and they're very old now and they're literally just mangled by life. And it's their spirit, it's their soul. They might be bitter. They might be ugly on the inside now. They're mistrusting. They're about understanding that human nature is not nice, that the world is not nice. And that can happen even to the best of people, trust me. But because they never go to the cross for the divine exchange of their bitterness, of the betrayal, the injustice, the hurts, the mockery, the humiliation that we all suffer sometime or other, because we never go to the cross, we never have that taken from us 
And then the divine exchange of true life, which makes us shine, Jesus shine. One of the most powerful testimonies you can be in a fallen world is that you can present yourself in this world as a shining beacon of faith, hope, and love. Who's with me on that one? When you're dodging and weaving and you've got some dispositions and you've got some crankiness and, you know, ugliness in, of the spirit. When I say ugly, ugly of spirit. And when you've got that stuff, that means that you haven't properly gone through to the cross. Because that can be dealt with right there. Every ugly disposition that you've inherited from your mum and dad in the generations previous, which happens, we call that generational iniquities or curses. And I want to tease that out because I want to build a case this morning why we all need Jesus. Are you with me on this one? Would you help me do it for about 10 minutes? Praise God. All right, here we go. The needs and the suffering of humanity was met at the cross. Who's with me on that? Outside of the cross is sin. If I try and satisfy my life outside of the cross, that's sin. I was tr- in the 70s, I was trying to satisfy my life by music. I was a music worshipper. I worship music. I must have saw about 30 bands in the, in the 70s. I've seen Devo live. I've seen Status Quo, Santana, Bruce Springsteen. I've seen bands after bands after bands to the point where I should have been, you know, and I was probably a worshipper of rock stars and bands. But that didn't satisfy me. Surfing was another thing I used to do that would try and satisfy this innate desire to be completed, to be fulfilled in my life. Surfing the best waves, traveling for hours, tracking down the best Tubes, the best waves, the best hidden spots. A job, money became another thing. Money. My first red back, my first $20 bill, I started to earn as a male nurse in 1976. I went, wow, I earned this, these are mine. And that can be something that we can try and fulfill our life with. Amen? Money. My mates became, I would do anything for them. I stayed awake four days once just to be with my mates. I was doing 12-hour shifts at the hospital, but because my mates wanted to go out during the day, I would stay awake and be with my mates because I was so absolutely compelled to be with my mates who made me who I was, significant, feeling like I belong. But you know what? Not even your wife, your husband, even your best relationship in your life can make you feel belong because you are separated from God. And until you remove that separation, the sin, and come before Jesus and His love for you, the lover of your soul, Jesus Christ, unless you let His light shine upon you and radiate through you and dispel all the darkness of your longing, connection, you will always feel displaced. You will always feel insignificant, ununique. You'll always feel, I've got to be famous. I've got to ride a bigger wave. I've got to have more money. I've got to find a better wife. Sorry, Jules. I've got to find, I've got to get a bigger house. I've got to get a better car. 
but it never will satisfy. The spiritual law of being separated. What is it to me? Why is it my problem? What's it to me? What, why, why? A gap. A gap divides us. And as I say, even these good things do not give us the life of feeling good on the inside. Amen? Who's been there? Who's tried something to the max? Who's tried money to the max? Who's tried a motorbike? I used to dream motorbikes. As a kid, my my mates had girlfriends. I had motorbikes. I would dream motorbikes. I wanted a motorbike. I would love the smell of them. And it became music. Music. I would order albums in from overseas. I would study the magazines from from America to, to England and study the whole subculture group of music. Things, these things I thought were going to satisfy me, Andrew, but never did. Travel, adventure, money. You know, young people now are just, they've been everywhere. Barcelona, they've been to the Great Canyon, what's that canyon, the Grand Canyon, they've, they've bungee jumped off the Eiffel Tower, they've swam under the biggest oceans, they've been in a rocket ship, because uh, Richard Branson will help us do that soon, to the moon, and by the time they're mid-twenties, they're worn out and they're spent, and they're old before the time. And they're saying to us, I've tasted life, I've been there, I've done that, I've been this, I've met that person. I've seen her, I've seen them. Because Proverbs says in 14 verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Nothing will fill the gap except that relationship with Jesus. Who's with me on that one? And I'm looking at people who've tried all sorts of stuff, man. But you know what? Even Australia, in all its sufficiency, it's waking up all the time. Money has become slippery under them, the foundation of their economy. And they're realizing, my God, I'm feeling a bit awkward. I'm feeling a bit compromised. I'm feeling a little bit. And even that is going to help people wake up. Now, Hebrews, I'm going to cut to the chase now. Hebrews 10, 14 says, because by one sacrifice, this is Hebrews 10, 14, because of one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That is being made sacrifice, are being made perfect sanctified. So again, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect. Two words there, perfect and forever. Perfect, it's done deal. Every need that you have, every struggle that you have, everything that is against your life that you want sorted and and, and, and healed and, and answers for is sorted by this perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross. The other one is eternity, forever. And it's forever. This is a forever deal. Don't you love that? All your dramas, all your suffering, all your problems, every need mankind has, it's all satisfied at the cross. Every need, every suffering, every misunderstanding, everything that is an injustice to you, all the betrayal, all the letdowns, the disappointment, the discouragement can be all met at that cross. Philippians 4.19 says it again, and I have to say it again. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. 
And we can say amen to that. The cross of Jesus. Let's, let's cut to this. The divine purpose in Isaiah 53 verse 6. We are all like sheep. This is the situation and this is our predicament. I say predicament. This is our predicament and this is what our friend's predicament is. Those people who we, we would say, and I don't like to use the word, but they're lost. Do you, do you know what I mean? They're lost. They're lost from finding their way to the cross, finding their way to God. They're looking out here. Do you know a sheep, actually when it gets onto a nice bit of grass, and even they're in the nice comfort of the flock and the shepherd's standing there, shepherd's good, flock's good, but the sheep, they're sometimes a little bit brainless and a little bit, you know, operate by this just human, you know, not human, but this, this nature to be satisfied. And then they will eat and they'll actually keep eating and then they will eat under the barbed wire, through the barbed wire, and they'll eat out into another paddock and they will find themselves, after they've had their fill, they will find themselves out on the back paddocks and that's where we say people out on the back paddocks of life and who knows what happens to a sheep out on the back paddocks of life. Out on the back paddocks, they can get mauled and mangled and attacked by the enemy. And that's what happens with people who don't find their way to this place called the cross. Again, in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In this scripture, in this scripture right here, it, it does talk about the universal problem of humanity, that everyone has gone astray in some form or fashion. Some people are just completely turning their back on this. Just saying, it's not my problem, this, this sin. It's not my problem. I turn my back on it and I live my life the best way I can. I'm not going to hurt anyone. Actually, I'm going to be a good person. But that still doesn't help the dilemma of the planet. That doesn't help the state of affairs because of you still being separated from God. So we need to look at this word iniquity that was laid upon Jesus, hung on a cross. And the Bible says here, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When you look at this word iniquity, Avon, it means Avon and not Avon, the stuff you receive. But it's a word that stems from the word rebellion, not against man, but against God. And what's the, what's the answer to that? What's the answer to that rebellion that is in every single one of us, that every single one of us has a propensity to go astray? What's the answer to that? That is the cross. That is the cross, all right? So these needs, what are these needs you're t telling me about, Pastor Phil? They're needs in your body. They're needs in your emotions. They're needs in your soul. They're needs in your material needs. They're needs in your mind. Some people, I believe in these days, some people are coming apart in their mind because they turn their back on the cross where God can heal their mind and put them in their right mind because they're not receiving healing to their mind, that's what a lot of these mental illnesses are about. And when people come to Jesus, it's then when people start to get healed in their mind. Say divine exchange. Say divine exchange again. 
Fantastic. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says it like this. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. 53 verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's the rebellion, remember? The rebellion that is not against man, but the rebellion that is against God. So here it is again. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's the spiritual healing right there. Now here comes the, here comes the physical The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. So the cross satisfies our physical or our spiritual, our sins are forgiven and it satisfies our body to be healed. And so let's look at this. Uh, Have we got this, guys? The exchange made at the cross. And this is, we're coming up to nail this now. That's a bed. But it's, it's about... The exchange made at the cross. Okay, let us have it. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. There is, in that, in that statement, that is where the needs of mankind is met for the spiritual condition of people being <coughs> separated from God and being in sin. Let's have a look at it again. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Who's forgiven in the house? Who's forgiven by the blood of Jesus? Who's forgiven? Who's forgiven? Who's forgiven? Who said, look, I'm a sinner. I own up. I thought it wasn't my problem, but I'm a sinner. All right, I'm born into this world with spiritual laws and I'm a sinner. My forefathers sinned and I'm a sinner. I have a propensity to sin. I'm a sinner. I need to be washed clean. Jesus, I acknowledge you and I accept you. Basically, that's what salvation is. What's the next one? Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Now, this is healing in in a lot of areas of our life, emotionally and physically. And let's keep it going now. Jesus was was made sin with our sinfulness. He took upon the sins of the world that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. When you understand that, you can stand up and feel pretty good about yourself. You can go anywhere, anywhere in the world and be be in any situation, but because you know Jesus has forgiven you and you are now righteous in God, the Bible says you can come confidently to the throne of grace. And that's why people should throw their shoulders back a bit, lift their head up and shine Jesus, shine, because you are a child of God, you are of royalty, and he has bestowed upon you salvation and righteousness. Do you know what I mean? So give the Lord a hand there. And the next, Jesus bore our shame. Who's ever been shamed? Who's ever been shamed? Shame on you. You might have did something at school. Your friends might put shame on you. School kids, your friends might put shame on you. They shame Jesus to the point of total humiliation. Total humiliation. Jesus took that shame upon himself and he exchanges his glory for shame. He exchanges that shame that you feel that can live on you and around you and he gives you his glory. Is that a fair deal? Is that a fair deal? Right. Jesus endured our rejection. Who's ever been rejected? Who's ever been rejected? 
You go to say hi to someone? Or you might go to the North Shore and try and spark a conversation up. And uh, happens to the best of us, trust me. <laughs> and they just weigh you up, and they, yeah. And they're looking over the shoulder. Pardon? Jesus endured rejection. But I'm talking about rejection if you are orphaned, if you're left for dead, if your wife walks out and your husband walks out on you. I'm talking about rejection when your kids, all your best friends at school, disown you. Does anyone know what I mean? I'm talking about when your best friend that you've hung with, you've surfed with, and all of a sudden, because you become a Christian, he walks out on you. I think I lost about 90% of my friends because I became a born-again Christian. Who's with me on that one? Amen? But 90, how much? 99. That we may have his acceptance. Who feels accepted in the house with his father? And next, Jesus died our death. The spiritual death that you were going to die and that was it for a lost eternity. This is the deal. This is the deal. Here it is. That we might receive life, true life, life to live forever, life to live right now, overcoming life, ruling and reigning life. Who wants that? So that death, that's, that's done. Jesus paid the price for it. Jesus endured our poverty. Mm, what's poverty? Does people think money when I say poverty? What about emotional poverty? Some people can't laugh. Some people can't cry. Some people can't love. Some people can't show gratitude. Some people can't trust. What else is emotional, Jules? Some people just fail to be able to encourage people. Some of us have grown up by fathers who weren't able to encourage us and affirm us. Do you know what I'm saying? So you can be poverty-stricken in your emotional life. What about poverty in your spiritual life? Some people just don't get the cross. Some people can't get salvation. They can't pray. They can't feel God. I've known some people who have been in some very powerful services, but they just don't get it. They think we're just talking and and it's just some sort of, you know, uh, thing that we put together, but they don't get it. Uh, spiritual. What about physical? Some people are poverty stricken physically. They're, 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 they're sick, maybe. They're sick and they're, 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 they're unable to overcome in life and, and live as an overcomer. What would be the other one? Material. Some people seemingly have got a poverty curse on their life where they just can't make ends meet and they can't prosper. They give, but nothing happens. They've tried giving, but they never get blessed. They get a job, but they lose a job, and they get a car, but it blows up, and, and that can be poverty, a poverty a spirit. But Jesus, who knows, he paid for that, that we might share his abundance of health, of a smile, of love, of money to give, of spiritual abundance, to be able to pray, call down fire, live for God on fire. That can be prosperity all in that. So prosperity is just not money. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, and materially prospering in Jesus' name. And continue. Jesus was made a curse that we might enter into the blessing. Hang on. What's the curse? 
And I ask you this. This is what I'm saying as my last point. Why do I need Jesus? If your friend was to still ask you, why do I need Jesus? Do any of these things affect you? Because on this planet, there are spiritual curses that affect even blood-washed Christians. And until we repent, because there is forgiveness of our sin, but until we repent of generational curses and maybe stuff that's happened in our generations, these curses that can affect your life can still operate around you and on you. So what are these curses? Jesus was made a curse that we might enter into blessings. Thank you, guys. And the scripture is in Deuteronomy, by the way, chapter 28. And if you read that, it talks about choose life. There's blessings and there's cursings. And I would recommend uh, pursue the blessings. The curses are, are, are typified by these one word statements. Humiliation. Barrenness is a curse. Barrenness, even in your spiritual life. You're unable to accomplish, unable to succeed. But we had a guy who was in the church on Friday night. We laid hands on him, long-term Christian. He's gifted and he's written a script of a whole production, 150 pages, and he was crying, literally. He's saying, I just feel my time spent. He's an older guy, well in his 50s. And he was saying, I've got this huge production I've downloaded from God. I've got it. And, and I just feel like, look, life's going by. And I said, no, we're going to pray into that. And we're going to see that resurrected on resurrection weekend. We're going to see it. Re-. So he was down at Oxford Falls last, last night. And we introduced him to none other than Richard Fowler, who's just come back from Broadway. A billionaire finance Richard Fowler, who's a Christian uh, artist, multi-instrumentalist, productions and heavyweight guy for the kingdom of God in the marketplace, just come back from Broadway. And that man that stood right here and we prayed for, who'd had barrenness in his spiritual life, not being able to release the gifts and the talent and the stuff that he had downloaded from God, we'd set him up last night and he shook hands and he talked for 10 minutes with Richard Fowler and gave the script to Richard Fowler, to this man, and he said, let me read it and I'll see what I can do. That spirit of barrenness was broken in Jesus' name. And you people have got the same stuff inside you that needs to be resurrected and needs to live again. Your dreams, your visions, the desires of your heart, you have stuff that needs to live. Unfruitfulness is in the same vein. Unfruitful. I feel like my life is unfruitful. That's not good. That's a curse. Mental and physical sickness. Some people have sicknesses, that if they've been there too long, can I say to you, we might have to pray generational curses off you in Jesus' name. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's things, even though you're a Christian, there's things that you need to repent for. The onus is with you now to repent. Forgiveness is all God. Repentance is you. Repentance, uh, forgiveness is God, forgive me. But repentance is all, it's all me going to God now and saying, Lord, I repent of this, I repent that, and just continually laying things. I repent of my forefathers. I repent of stuff I've done. I repent, and that's powerful. So mental and physical sickness, family breakdown. Some people come from a legacy of family breakdown, and you can bust that off your, fa- off your life, off your family, by the blood of Christ. And more, is there more? Poverty, defeat, 
oppression, failure, God's disfavor. You just feel like God's not around you. That's a curse. That's no failure is a curse. Oppression is a curse. Defeat is a curse. Poverty is a curse. Any more? Thanks, guys. But it is finished. The price paid. The ransom paid. Jesus became the temple. He became the priest. He became the sacrifice. No more religion. So they used to go to the temple in Jerusalem to offer this. The high priest would take the sins of the people into the, into the high temple. The, 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 that's why he said the temples. That's why Jesus said the temple's coming down, but it's going to be risen in three days. Because why? No longer were people needing to come to the temple of Jerusalem, but they were going to come to the temple called Jesus. And the temple was going to be risen, and it did rise on the third day. The temple rose, so Jesus became the temple. He became the priest. He takes our sin. He took all the sins of humanity to the Father, and he said, there it is. The price is paid with my very blood. I've done, I've reversed the contract of what Adam did in the garden. I've reversed it. I've reversed the curse and I've loosed the blessings of the kingdom of you, Father. And then then Father says to Jesus, well done, son. Now what? He says, well, I'd like to now give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. So no more temple in one place on earth. Jesus is the temple. We are the temple but he is the priest, the high priest, but he is the sacrifice paid forevermore. And he says, thank you, Father. Can I give it now? And on the day of Pentecost, and in the upper room, like clothes of uh, tongues of cloven fire came to rest and people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and people were filled of the Spirit and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the church was born. And now the church is in living, emboldened, empowered by this Holy Spirit. And can I say this to you? Resurrection Sunday is all about your sins forgiven, about the curses reversed, and about your life in the fullness of that victory of the cross of Calvary. It is finished. The price is paid. The ransom paid. Jesus has paid. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father, we thank you for all that your son did for us. All the needs are met. Every need I have, Lord, every need I have has been fulfilled at the cross. Lord, I feel I don't belong. I feel insignificant. That can be met at the cross. I feel I'm not unique. That can be met at the cross. I feel like I'm sick in my body. That can be met at the cross. I feel like I'm poverty stricken. I can't make ends meet. I can't get employment. I can't make my business work. That can be met at the cross. My marriage is strained. My relationships are strained. That can be met at the cross. I feel like there's a dark cloud over me. That can be met at the cross. That can be met at the cross. Jesus, we just don't look at that event as a time when something needed to be done and we don't understand it. But we look at it now with honesty of heart and we know the price that you paid when you took upon the iniquity, the sins of mankind. When you took upon the sins and iniquity of mankind. The earth went dark. The earth shook. God turned his back on Jesus. 
And Jesus didn't die because of the brutality of his body. He died because of a broken heart. His father had turned his back on him because Jesus became sin momentarily. But then Jesus did the work, went to hell, released the captives, took the keys of hell and death. And on the third day, on this great and wonderful day, Jesus has risen. He rebuilt the temple and the temple was Him. And now we go to Jesus, not to a man-made structure, not to religion. We go to Jesus. Each and every one of us need to go to Jesus, but we need to recognize the work of the cross. We're praying that people would understand their need for the cross. We're praying that you would understand your need for the cross. Maybe you're in the house. Let's just close our eyes just for a moment. Maybe you're in church this morning and you have needs. You've realized that needs can be fulfilled through the cross, through what Jesus did on the cross. You can feel like you belong. You can feel like you're accepted. You can feel secure. You can feel like God is smiling upon you, loving you completely. If you feel disconnected from God, if you feel you're unsure of your salvation in God, if you feel that you're not sure if you're destined for heaven, if you're not sure if... that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If that's you, if you just feel like this is your weekend, this is your day, on this Resurrection Sunday, what a better day. There's no better day on Resurrection Sunday to maybe ask Jesus into your life, to maybe say, Jesus, I look to you and I look to your cross as my provision in life to feel that I belong, to feel that I'm significant, I'm a child of God. No longer do I feel like I'm separated from God and separated from people. Jesus is not about rules. He's about relationships. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor.